Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This episode of Misery Hunters is brought to you by Paisley Craft Beer Co., Paisley's number one and only craft beer venue. You can sit in and take away, and we've also just introduced a local delivery service. So, if you live in the Remshire area and are looking for craft beer, we can deliver the same day if you order before one o'clock. Next day delivery as well for any time after that. Minimum order is £20. Any orders over 60, you get free delivery. So, what are you waiting for? Go to paisleycraftbeer.com. That's paisleycraftbeer.com. Hello, you miserable bastards, and welcome to another Misery Hunters interview podcast. This time it's myself, Mark Jarden. I've got Sam Smith joining me. Hello. And... Our special guest this time is Kate Cooper, manager of the St. Man's women's team. Hi, Kate. Hello, dear. Thanks for, for joining us. I think um, I'd mentioned um, to you already, but I was recently speaking to, to Keith Lasley, and, and it was something that he was really keen to to bring up, the you know the increased connection between the, the men's and, and women's team and, and trying to, to get the club growing in, in all areas. Um, so naturally, I, I thought this was a good direction to go in with our our next interview and, and get to hear directly from source what how things are going. Yeah, no, it's great to it's great to be invited along and to be able to tell people about where we are and what we're doing. The um the women's team is, is coming up on on five years actually since it was since it was launched, although I think that the first season would have been the the following March. And and you were involved right from the, the start. Is this something that you'd been looking to to build? Um I've been in, in women's football for a long time. I played football um, and have coached at many, many clubs. Um, I'd actually taken a wee break from football, but then I'd get approached to come back in and and help um, because St Mirren wanted to have a team. So at that time I met with Gordon, Scott and Tony Fitzpatrick um, and we spoke about having the women's team um, in, in a women and girls academy. So it had been the December... So the women's league used to run uh, March to October. Um, so we came in that season. So that had been December 2017, I think. We started with uh, six girls, uh, six women actually in a pitch in Seed Hill. And, um, and then roll on to now, including the pandemic, we're probably sitting with the Women and Girls Academy now of around 120 women and girls players. So including has been effectively mothballed for 18 months during the pan- yeah. pandemic. Yeah. I'm guessing so, that's been quite a, a steep hill to, to, to climb back up again once yeah. um, things started to open up. Well, last season was particularly difficult because it was coming back to COVID and I think um, I think it was very hard for women's sport. I don't even think that's about women's football, but I think women's sport, I think what the pandemic did really highlight is uh, how little regard is actually given to women's sport, if I'm being a wee bit brutally honest here. Um, when we saw the amount of women's sport to get they get mothballed and just get 
we're not playing. Um, even in women's football, we had um, 16 teams were allowed to play through the pandemic compared to 300 men's teams. So um, it's the challenge that we'll always have. Um, and e even people who are listening to this podcast, some folk will, will, will not even have known that we've had a women's team or that we've got women and girls or we've got the entire academy that we have. Um, and, and that's just the nature of where we are and we're quite realistic about it. Um, and also when I met the club in the beginning, um, it was about being real, realistic about what St Mirren could do as well um, and, and how we could grow it and give it a good foundation that it exists, whether, whether the club is in a good position or not, because historically, because I have been around football a long time, um, I have watched over the years where women's football gets an investment from the men's team but then the men's team gets relegated. Now, it's not the men's team that then are penalised for that. It's actually the women and girls programme that gets cut. So we've seen that at clubs like Notts County and where I think overnight a whole entire women's team was made unemployed because mm. the men's team got relegated. So I'm very conscious of the fact that, um, you know, we have to make sure that the balance is there for the financially for the women and girls academy exist. Um, because although we'd all love it and I would love it if St Mirren had some of the budgets of like Real Madrid or, or Barcelona but unfortunately we were in Scotland and we don't have that type of budget but uh, yeah it's, it's just so I've been really um, recognising that as we're building the Women and Girls Academy the financial stability and what we have off the pitch has to exist no matter what's really happening at the club as well if that makes sense and with your role covering both the you know the first team but also the, the academy the potential there does that create the possibility of, of starting to build up you know did you see a through line from every age group right through yeah. to, to what you're doing the first team so at the moment um I, I'm, we're very fortunate i mean the, the dedication that we have because for the women and girls academy like everybody's volunteers there's no paid staff in our, our part of of um the club um, and so the people we've got are immensely dedicated to it so um, Richard and Kirsty who really um, look after the academy um, we've got from under 9s, under 11s under 14s, under 16s is where we're at So, and we've got some really talented at the under 16s so the under 16s won um, the, the, the League Cup just about six weeks ago they also won their league last year. Um, so it's really good that we're, we're having to kind of a, take time to progress that up um, so that they then become our national performance under 18s. And then that gives a real pathway up into to the women's team. And actually last year, during the pandemic, um, we actually brought four academy players up to help us basically for the women's team to survive. Um, we had to build the team rebuild the team three times actually during the last season um, because more, all of our players are paid our workers the work so a lot of them had real challenges which was also an impact of the pandemic that actually women and uh, women in terms of workplace were quite adversely affected by the pandemic as well so a lot of them had to make yeah. choices of having to change jobs and where to go and how to move and and unfortunately, when you're not getting paid for football, even though you do train at quite a high level and we do perform at quite a high level, um, at the end of the day, they have to pay their bills. And, and that's the reality. So, And because I, I, we don't pay players, so I need to really be really creative in how and where I get my players from and how we develop it. I think that's a, a key difference, which I think we'd, we'd, we'd had a quick chat before this and we'd, we'd, we'd mentioned that, it's a it's a totally different job from what you know what you know people that normally listen to our, our podcasts are are thinking about what Stephen Robinson does on the on the men's side where you know you've got six weeks in the summer where you can tie down players from um you know whatever source you're looking at onto two or three year contracts and you know that they'll be here for that period of time and, and there's very little that's you know that's likely to come in and, and interrupt that whereas as you were saying three three rebuilds in the space of a, a season and, and having to be to be creative. To, to see where the players to fill out that squad are coming from. It's a it's a totally different challenge. Yeah, I mean, this year, um, we've done well over a pre-season. I mean, we're sitting 
in July and I probably still have to recruit a goalkeeper, an, an additional goalkeeper. Um, but on the whole of that, we, we're probably quite a settled squad and we're probably quite ahead of the game this year. Um, and But we've worked hard. So, like, for example, um, Leila Phillip, who um, is one of our fullbacks, she's 19, she's currently studying prosthetics at a Glasgow University, but um, normally she's originally from Inverness, so normally she would go way back up to Inverness uh, after when uni's not on because she's no accommodation. So this year we worked really hard to find her a job down here and also find her somewhere to stay. So we've managed to keep her down over the season, so in pre-season. So instead of me getting her back, um, because she's she's very talented and the turn of pace and things like that that she's got on her for for at the back for us is, will be phenomenal for us next season and really crucial. But um, I'd have lost her for like effectively six weeks, but I've managed to be able to keep her down here in her training. She came to Germany, so it's a comp- she's not then turning up at the end of September and we're having to do a complete pre-season with her. So yeah. it's small things like that that matter um, that we have to work and be, as I said, really creative about how we keep people, how we engage players, um, but what I would say is one of the things is we're really quite big on is, is is try to have, yeah, you might not get paid, but that doesn't mean to say you can't have the professionalism and you can't have the professional attitude, which is something we're always pushing uh, at the club um, in terms of what, what we're doing. So, for example, uh, getting sponsored by Digby Brown, that puts us in a different platform because they are in to be doing the, the strip launches and to be seen as being more equal if that makes sense um, does make a difference as to then how we can generate income and funds and sponsorship um, the Germany trip I think social media wise I think we've done over 25,000 reach just been in Germany <coughs> so, um, so so you have to you have to want to really push where you're going and what you're doing I, obviously you, you kind of touched on it earlier obviously saying you started off you start obviously six bodies then at Seat Hill. Obviously, you've been there right from the very start. What's the differences in the kind of setup you have now compared to what you had kind of when you started? Obviously, I think uh, I coached a boys' club team. I think you trained up at Castlehead uh, yeah. on, a, on a Thursday night. They uh, used to train in the, the end, third of the pitch, when we were there. So uh, what, what's the sort of kind of the main differences for, for then and now? So for every year, what I have to look at is what marginal gains can I make every year? So um, the big chart, when we started out, we were we were actually training across five venues. Um, we were the club. So people will say, oh, why can't you just fit in at Ralston? So I kind of a, quite like the podcast as well because um, it's probably given us an opportunity to explain sometimes why people go, well, how can the club not just take these and just stick these in at Ralston? If you come in, it's already fully booked, so... So what you have to also understand is as well as I want the Women and Girls Academy to be recognised of what it brings to a club, not what it takes away from a club. And and sometimes you have to educate people as well on you're not there to take resources away, you're actually wanting to add. So when we had sat and had discussions about Ralston, we'd have been get, trying to shoehorn in, like they did sit down, we tried to have a look at it, but we'd be getting shoehorned into places and it just becomes really disruptive. So... What I really wanted to do long term is to find our own our own venue that then also takes the brand of the club much further across Renfrewshire. So in our first season, um, we played across five venues. Um, the second year, we got it down to um, playing across three venues, and then more recently, we now play train and play all of our matches at uh, Moss Edge Village, which is in Linwood. Um, and that's been a phenomenal facility for us there. I mean, that's a two and a half million pound build by a group of women. So, and, and that's been good for us as well because it's a it's an all-female board. And I'm not saying that, but they understand the hardships that we have um, and they've been immensely supportive. So Kirsty and Sharnan there um, and the board there have been absolutely amazing for us. And it's a, uh, but what it's done is given us a single venue um, it gives us a place that we can actually really start to build a base from. But also what it does is, is that means then I look at that and go, well, every penny that we pay in there to use the facilities and increase what, and to grow what we've got over there um, helps 
keep something alive in the community that the local community need as well. So it means that St Mirren are actually in the community. So when we're over at um, Linwood, um, when we train alongside the other clubs, we're very tangible for um, for the community to come and see and for kids to come and see. And ultimately, I think a lot of times women's football is excellent for getting kind of almost future-proof in your club um, because we can probably we can touch bases that, that the guys' team or the men's party team can't touch um, because we're much more fam Like, women's football's obviously very family-friendly. If you'd been down and seen their Euros, I mean, we don't even do segregation at games. Do you know what I mean? That's how, that's how integrated we are. I mean, if you, like, I was down at the women's Euros and I'm sitting next to people who are supporting... Do you know what I mean? So, if one of the first games was I was down doing Northern Ireland and... Um, Norway, I think, and so I'm sitting next to people who like are, are Norwegian, and we're down supporting Northern Ireland because obviously we're a UK club and a UK country. But so it's that type of thing. It's that's what women's football gives you. So sitting at Linwood and, and the ability and the scope there. I mean, if nobody's been over to see Linwood, you need to go visit the cafe. Um, is phenomenal, like real, um, quality, um like stuff over there and then it's got a 60 seat 60 theater and then it, so that allows us to really look at how we can do match analysis with players and how we can actually start to increase the demands that we can make on them so i mean if nobody's ever visited you need to go one just for the food but also to um, it's a phenomenal facility um i mean it's absolutely transformed Lindwood as well and and that's what you want to do you want to be part of stuff that makes a difference for people in the community um and for St Mirren then, now, now we're sitting where the men, and, the men and Boys Academy is up at Ralston. If we can get the Women and Girls Academy all based at Linwood, um, th then we're across it. And then the club itself, the actual stadium's in the centre of, in the heart of it. So it just means our reach in the community is huge. Um, and I think that's important for us. I think it's important for the club. Um, and I think it's important that we, we play a real big <coughs> part in it. I think oh, what you said right. there about um, about it being tangible is just such an important thing. It's getting out into the community and showing people that there's a there's a women's team, but there's also the girls' teams, and there's a possibility for for girls who want to play football and are from Paisley to play football for Paisley. It's a it's a positive thing. Yeah, I mean, you you want to keep your players local. I mean, I think, I mean, St Mirren historically, I mean, produced some amazing talent. And we want to do the same in the girls, the women and girls side, and we're good as well because now all of our all of our girls academy now plays in one location as well. So, which is at, at Renfrew um, Leisure Centre. So, we've really gone from being split all over the place at all different times to effectively having two venues, and then we hope to make that into one venue. But um, it's all it's all small marginal gains all the time, but. Um, there are, there's some amazingly talented players like, <coughs> and even at the level that we're at just now which is obviously tier four within Scottish women's football but within Scottish football um, some of the players I get to work daily is, is just un their, their talent is unbelievable it's just they don't get the recognition because that's where women's football is but um, I mean M Maxine Fury, who obviously is one of our strikers. I mean, we go across to Germany and she wins top goal scorer at a 12-team tournament. I mean, we've got talented players. Um, sometimes it's just not getting the recognition. Um, and and you're because you're actually battling all the noise all the time out there. Um, because if you look at most mainstream newspapers, although we as a as a as a club do immensely well with Paisley Daily Express because we get a, a back page every week and they're always looking for a story. So We've worked hard off the pitch to create that, and that and that requires us to come up with things that people will want to know. So a lot of people have seen. There's a lot of stories going out about the women players just now, just their backgrounds and 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 who they are, and because people want to know that they want to know who people are. Um, and I'm very fortunate. I mean, at the moment we, we laugh, but the moment in my team, um, in, in the women's team, I mean, I've got a doctor, a a, a dentist. Um, a scientist, a prison officer, um, 
you know what I mean? Somebody that's just passed law. Leela's doing prosthetics at the uni. Do you know what I mean? Um, physio, I mean, civil engineer. It's immensely, like, these, these women are really hold their own every single day and, and they're very um, clever and talented and it's just that sometimes people don't see that. And But it then means that, yes, things, our training week, my week is completely different from what the guys will do. So before we're even on the pitch, I mean, yesterday I spent all day doing one ones with the players, but um, that's like a full full day for me. But I'm still having to then catch up and work at other times. Um, pretty pretty full on. It's twenty four seven being involved in football at any level. I don't think a lot of people know, but we obviously are subject to club 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 and so actually I need to do 20 hours a week paid or unpaid so I, need, wow. I must do 20 hours a week for the for the club and for the team um, and that that's not necessarily just all coaching but so I do do a lot in terms of how we're developing it what what brand do we really want to have off the pitch and and really want to look after St Mirren's brand because they they've got an amazing family brand um, look after that and like, how are we getting ourselves out there? Who are we connecting to? What else can I get? So, like, today I was having a conversation with um, a sports scientist. So, I'm hoping that she'll come and help us out um, for the season. So, but it's in a volunteer capacity. So, I've got to kind of a, I've got to be really good at selling the club. <laughs> have a bad idea. <laughs> uh, you've, got to, you've got to be a good salesperson. Yeah, I mean, and that is my job. I mean, yes, a coach, but but ultimately I see myself, and it's quite funny when people talk about football and we get quite stressed about it all, but ultimately my job is really, I'm a dream, I'm a dream maker. I mean, every day I get to turn up and, uh, I mean, I don't know if you saw the, the one with uh, Kira McIntyre, but she's an absolute staunch St Mirren fan, like since she's been about seven and we had her involved with the strip launch. But you can't you can't buy that. Like for her to experience that. We told her it'd be good if she'd smiled in the photograph. She was taking it really serious. <laughs> had she scored against Morton <laughs> just before? And she the... So she went uh, so she went she went and done her um, strip launch and then came up with the, the friendly against Morton and she scored. So but that is what you do. I mean that is what St Mirren Football Club do whether you're a player, a supporter, um, you, you actually have the ability to, to be a dream maker for people. Um, so I think I'm in a very privileged position um, to, to, to do what I do and to have the contact that we have and, and to watch the, the development um, of the team and, and, and where we're going and how we're getting there. And actually sometimes I wish, um, like sometimes I look when I come into the club and then you go through and you see the history of everything, I think if the, the supporters in terms of the women's team actually can get the chance, so supporters that we have now can actually get the chance to be involved like the founders of St Mirren were back in like 1877. Do you know what I mean? It's like, and that right. doesn't come along very often. Yeah. So, so sometimes I kind of want to say, folk, why would you not want to get involved and be part of the legacy? Um, and, and then that's what I said to the players. So the conversation I was having yesterday is just, why don't you become a legend? That, that, I don't know how many people that like to have those opportunities. So the group Hi. of players that have now where we are have the real chance to actually catapult us up into the next level and then that next level of competition and so you have to want to get up and want that every day um, I mean last year we played Falkirk with nine players because I was just not having I was giving up so and even our trip to Germany I mean the fiasco with flights and like because all the drama that was happening with flights and all that and then I just went to the club and said can I, can I, can I use the bus and then we just drove Germany. As I lived, but people say you must be totally off your head. No, because that's what changes things. Do you know what I mean? If you want totally. to do it, you do it. If you want to make it happen, make it happen. Um, 100%. So.
Uh, if you're not, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get anywhere. Just kind of sitting in your arse doing nothing. Uh, you, you touched on it before. Obviously, the kind of move into the, the Scottish Women's League One. Obviously, you were in the the South Division previously. Is this a, a welcome move? Obviously, similar direct chance they can actually move upwards and play um, a different variation of teams we can used to playing, obviously playing at a, a higher level as well, I presume. Um, I think it's actually um, it's restructuring that's happened in the league with the, the SPL 1 and 2 going to the uh, SPFL. Then uh, the Championship in the First Division have then become the top level within women's football. So, And it has changed the exposure that we're getting and it has changed in terms of the role models that, that you then become um, for Scottish women's football. Um, so it is good to be competitive. We're always looking to be competitive. I think this season, this, the, the, the league, both ourselves and at the Championship, which is just above us, um, I'll be massively competitive. I don't think there's going to be big score lines. I think every game you're going to have to really dig it out and work hard and and push yourself, and it's really and, and the teams that are going to, for us to look to to get promoted, we're going to have to have that real, real daily and weekly grind of uh, turning up and, and that real commitment to want to win, and and that and I think that's one of the biggest things is obviously over the last few years it's been really challenging for us, and particularly last year we had some real tough uh, results, but people weren't really seeing what's happening in the background, so. Um, when you've got players that have had COVID and, and I mean, I think at one point I had nine players with COVID, <clears throat> COVID through the team three times. Um, and that takes a toll because when you take that, it, you, you just can't turn up and then train again. It, so, um, and it's just, and they have that mentality to keep going. So it's easy to lose, actually. It's, it's actually harder to, to win and to win consistently. We can, we can pose the pressures on you the expectations grow and, and I think that's some of the stuff that we've been working with the players with um, and we'll need to work with the players with a wee bit on like it's okay it's all good but it's all nice and fun and everybody's but when winning comes into it then everybody's mentality changes um, and you still have to want to enjoy football that's my philosophy is, is that it doesn't matter what level you're at only do it if you enjoy it um, even if you're at top top level you have to enjoy what you do or you'll never stick it. Yeah, I think um, I think it's exactly what you what you said. I think more so than than maybe on the men's side of the game, it takes a level of determination and, and commitment. And the first step to be able to put that in is to to really want to, to do it. And you weren't um, you weren't lying when you called yourself a salesperson <laughs> with selling the the dream of, of being a legend and everything else. If that's not enough to get you motivated, then then I don't know what would be. Um, but, but, but you have to, so sometimes you have to um, so like the Germany trip for us was I mean I'm very fortunate I've, I've had the opportunity to be at all levels including international level of, of the women's game that's been I've been immensely fortunate with that and so I know what football is like out with this country right? I know how play, female players are treated like particularly like in Europe and um, and so going to Germany was really important because if you can because part of my role is is to create opportunities to inspire the players and then once they see it they can't unsee it so that's the thing like once people see something it doesn't matter what they want to do they can't put it back in the box again so going to Germany and arriving there and getting the response that we got there um from from the hosts initially, um, and then interviewed by German TV. There's people come up asking them for their autographs, want to sign shirts. Um, Sasha and um, if Fran may get stopped in the in the supermarket by a dad and his wee girl wanting photographs with them, and they two are like they've just finished playing about six games and they're saying it's just like a look an absolute mess and. He's like, no, no, it's really good if I can get a photograph with you. So, um, but they've never experienced that before. So, and then it changes you, it changes you on what you think you're worth. Because that's actually the challenge of women's football and women's sport is understanding the value that they actually bring to the club 
that we bring immense value to the club. Sometimes it's just we have to show people what the value is because you only know what you only know. So the challenge in the men's side is they only know what they only know. So because that's and, and sometimes that is well, we've done it for a hundred years and we'll still do it for a hundred years. Whereas in the women's side, we've we are so much more um I would say sometimes much have to be much more creative how you use your budgets, how you achieve things. Um and so some so when I look at St. Mirren, I think there's things that I can really learn from St. Mirren and, and, and on the men's side of the game. But there's also so much that the club can learn from from us as well. Um, and actually, if we work together, then you can really change what your club has. I mean, women's football is the fastest growing sport in the world. So if you think about so sometimes I have to be a business person as well, if I'm being really honest. Um, so like I look at it and go, as a club, why would you not invest in the part that will actually sell, which is actually growing the fastest? And continue to just look at one one part and only one bit. Um, and also as well as if you're wanting to sell season tickets, then actually many women are are like are working now and they have their own own money. So and they hold the purse strings. So you you want them to be buying the stuff. I know that I'm wanting to be controversial, but probably dictate whether or not their husbands get season tickets as well. No, I think that definitely happens in more than one house. It certainly, it certainly happens in mine. I get, I get in trouble for prioritising my season ticket this year. So, <laughs> but that, but that's but you want to do that. Like, why do we not want to really engage in, in the part of the economy who actually control the, the most spending? Do you know what I mean? So, I think we've just just been sensible and clever about what we do. Well, it's it's not it's not turning away from potential potential fans. It's embracing it. It's it's growing the club. That's everyone that's had any say at someone for the longest time has always said that their priority is to grow the club, particularly with younger fans, and to make sure that you know 10, 20 years from now that the fan base is still growing and you you know you're adding to the fan base as you naturally lose from it. And I don't think we have the luxury of picking and choosing who that is. We should be promoting ourselves to everyone. Yeah, and I, and I do think that um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a huge growth out there um, um, and what we can we can achieve. And even for ourselves as well, for the women's team is, like, we're really good at, um, like, introducing kids and families to football. Um, because we're probably really used to having a lot of kids and, and we can kind of, we're probably a bit more relaxed about things. Um, in terms, I actually remember we, we. I'm hoping to work with Smysis this year and doing a thing called the Buds Brigade. And um, we had just launched it. We just launched it before the pandemic. And I think we'd fifty kids turned up to be, participate in it. And basically, it's like kids who are not interested in football but want to. So we had them meeting and greeting people. We had them recording the game. We had them being ball attendants. We had them like making noises and all that and being the supporters like creating that kind of a um, but like being involved and taking pictures and videoing and because actually sometimes in football we forget that we really still need to appeal to people who still can't play football if that makes sense but they could be our administrators or photographers or you know the stuff because the reality is is football I mean what we see on the pitch the amount of people off the pitch is huge for that that 90 minutes and, and people sometimes don't see that the amount of resources that we need to manage off the pitch um, it's just as huge as the team itself um, and I think that's part of the progress that we've made we're making this year so I'm including so the women's team probably now have a good they're probably supported by about at least eight or nine um, all volunteers but effectively staff for them now um, as we grow and try and keep, keep pushing them and demanding more from them to deliver. One thing that the, the men's team's really seen the, the benefit of, I think, for the first time in the last year or so, is the links that they've built with clubs elsewhere. The like Birkenhead United in, in New Zealand, I think, is the, the club which, which yeah, Alex Greaves came, came through from. And 
has gone straight into the, the first team. I'd, I'd, I'd done a bit of, of reading and hadn't previously been aware of, of the women's team's link with, is it Belfast Celtic? Is that something that you're keen to, to expand as well and to include the women's team in the discussion when we're yeah. networking like that? Yeah, so we do, I do quite a lot in that way. Um, so how, so even for like St Mirren and for a club for St Mirren, if we want to attract some of the best talent in Scotland, what we have to do is to be able to still create um, a, a kind of a system for players to go on to be professional players, even if we're not at that stage yet. So Matt, the kind of a real philosophy we try and install in the, t- in the team and the team environment is, is that I don't really get the players to compete against one another, so I don't compare them to each other. What we look at is what's their strengths and their weaknesses, and then each of us have to try and help them. So I kind of focus really on what they're good at, and then their job is to make them absolutely brilliant at that. Um, but that's the same when we connect to other clubs. So like we did a lot of stuff with Belfast Celtic because... Um, we were probably a bit more developed off the pitch than they were, but it gave us a real good... They were so determined when playing against us and stuff. It, it, it really changes that. So then what I do is I then start to build up where I can go and look at ta- to bring talent to us. But then also I have to go and look at clubs that I can send our talent to. Um, and so that's some of the stuff that we've been really building, and that was also what part of Germany was. So out of Germany, we've had the seven-a-side tournament. We've now been invited to an eleven-a-side tournament. So actually, we've already booked pre-season training next year. Will probably be ten days, um, rather than we drive a thousand miles and then we play a couple of games and then we drive back. So, um, but I think I think you it's then kind of linked to um, some clubs down south. And then the other thing I've got booked at Moss Edge for next year is an, is an international tournament that we're going to hold. And um, I want to I want to make that really around the kind of a sort of... I like to look at what we brand of football we play, but also what brand do we have off the pitch, because that's just as important. So we're currently looking at... I've always been a big supporter of fair trade, and the women's game's always been quite supportive of, like, and I don't know if a lot of people know, but the SWF won't accept. They ha- we have a, an agreement that we don't take any money from any alcohol, tobacco or gambling. Um, and that does limit us. So it's like almost like, yes, that would be the easy money. And, but actually, it's what you what you what you're representing. So um, one of the things I really want to look at was um, was fair trade. And we'd worked a wee bit with the council before. The pandemic caused a lot of problems for us, but um, we'd started that off. So I'd quite like to look at... We're, the tournament is already booked. It'll be held at Moss Edge. But then can I bring four teams to us from... and grow the brand of St Mirren? Um, so I'm currently in discussions with a team in Canada. Um, Belfast Celtic are coming... Um, we'll probably look at maybe getting somebody from Europe and then maybe another team from England. But I think that then brings people to, to Paisley yeah. and then the town of Paisley and, and, and also as well as like places like Linwood and um, Paisley itself. I mean, the his- history that we have in the area is phenomenal. And I think that's probably, we love the, the, the kit this season because it's around the, the Paisley pattern. And I think I'll be struggling, like, we'll not definitely not be letting the players take them tops away this year because they're, they're, they're absolutely over the moon with them. But I think it's because you really feel part of the town, do you know what I mean, and, and that connection. So I thought that was really good this year in terms of the strips. Um, so we want to bring people to the area as well and, and to, to grow that the kind of a tourism and have people coming back. Um, and then how to develop the links with the players. Um, I mean, we already have um, Emma Becker's Canadian, so she's she's a civil civil engineer working over here, um, and has played at quite a very played at a good level in Canada. So for the players to have her, and so her mentality is completely different. Um, she's very positive, very like excitable and is it probably the best way I can describe it play it. but it's good for Scottish players because sometimes we are a bit like this miserable quite miserable at times like yeah. <laughs> sometimes you have to see like we can smile and we can get excited about things 
Like, I mean, our catchphrase is like, how's things? Like, it's all right. Do you know what I mean? Aye. And so sometimes I need to look at that and go, actually, players bring something to you much more. So um, her, her, like, enthusiasm and, like, real excitable energy is sometimes is unbelievable. Um, a good thing for the squad as well, because the kind of typical Scottish attitude when it comes to football is the kind of always the, the hard luck story, the, the kind of the nearly men. So um, it's, good, it's good, to, good to have something different, a bit of a, a different culture. Uh, we have, we've already got, I mean, Gemma Dixon, who's, um, she's Irish, so, um, and um, she's obviously over here working and stuff, but, um, and it is having that, it is good to have that background. Um, everybody's different characteristics that they bring and um, and it's really building that and I think this season in particular for the starting is probably the closest we've been as a squad. Um, I think that's come a combination, one, of how we had to manage last year um, in terms of like that, da- that daily and weekly grind when people are just down on you because you are struggling Um to be where we are and, and I think even when I was having conversations with players yesterday that it is a wee bit of a pinch, pinching moment for them because they're like this time last year we thought we were really struggling um, and the season was such a grip was so tough mentally and physically for us and then this year we're like ah, we've been to Germany and you know, do you know what I mean and we're excited about the season starting um, and, and I think we'll compete really well it's going to be a tough season. We've got um, a 29 league games to play and then we've got the League Cup and the Scottish Cup. So if you have a run in them, you're talking about 35 plus games. So it will be a real squad game this year. Um, and, and I think what's been really good is we've managed to recruit some older players, which I think we really needed. Um, with that bit of dig in them as well, you really get the younger players to understand the importance of winning. Um, because a lot of times I have conversations I think um, sometimes you think oh, I've got all the time in the world to play but actually if you think about your playing career it's just really a number of games so what I do with the, we do with the players is we get them to look at how many games they've got left really in, in, in their career so, so, so the reality is for some of my players this year they've got maybe 20 games left and it changes your mentality of what you're doing um, and also trying to create that mentality it's not really how many games or how many times you start a game, it's how many minutes you spend on the pitch. And on that minutes that you spend on the pitch, how productive are you in those minutes? Which is what we've been working a lot with them for going into the season when you work with a much larger squad and we've got more games. It's actually seen it, it's not about who's starting and who's not. And I mean, I, I'm not a great fan of substitutes, because, like that kind of a terminology, it's almost that you're lesser than the starting 11. And in Scotland, we're obsessed that you have to be in the starting 11. Whereas actually, I would rather have a striker that can come on for 20 minutes and score me two goals and somebody that spends 90 minutes on it and I don't get a goal out them. Um, and it's getting them. So this year, we're really focusing on how many minutes are you getting and what you're doing in that time that you're on the, on the pitch. What is your impact that you make, whether you start, whether you come on? That's w- what we're doing at training. Um that's what matters. It's your minutes and being really present so that they really get the best out of them. Um, and, and that's what will create the winning. Uh, that's how we'll win, um, is by really focusing on how we're performing rather than what the results are. Because we've all been there. We've all watched went and watched teams where they're winning and you just know they're a ticking time bomb to falling apart. Do you get what I mean? So I'm, I'm always trying to plan ahead that we're constantly bringing in players that actually create a real legacy for the club so we're not a you know um, a win one year and then you do nothing again um, and, and you see that in most of the SPL clubs I mean if you look at the likes of Glasgow City even like Hibs um, even where Celtic and Rangers are now um, up there I mean these clubs took years to, to gain success and so if you really want, and I think the women's game is very, I, I, that's where I do have a bit of luxury as a coach, um, where I can be given a bit more time because we have to create that long-term legacy. 
um, so that you create a much longer term winning streak for yourself by the fact that you get the time to really work with players. Um, so, yeah. I think obviously you've kind of obviously touched, touched upon earlier about uh, the kind of help you've had the fish miser. Uh, kind of, uh, obviously, what, what sort of support do they give you and would you be looking for them to maybe do a, a kind of wee bit more? Obviously, Bigby Brown have got involved as well. They obviously were involved in the, the kind of kit launch. It was great. It kind of opened up the Open it kind of let a lot of people know that we actually did to that. A women's team has a lot of people who are just kind of very much blinkered with the, the men's team. That's all that matters. And it was, you know, it was, it was really refreshing to see teams for you know, obviously there was kids involved in it from the academy, the, the women's team, the men's senior team. You know, obviously, it's, do you think Smyser could do a wee bit more to support you and kind of help you grow? I think part, part of the challenge, there's, there's two challenges we have. One is everybody just thinks or just give us money and that's always a challenge for us is financially supporting ourselves but but SMICE's have always been supportive um, I think sometimes our part is, is that we need to go and tell people what we what we need and what we want because and that's part of the education because the women's game is the women's game it's not and I think part of the challenge there is is everybody thinks so I'll get quite regular we'll get I think we're playing Stenhouse Muir in the friendly and we can beat 2-1 and we're getting some of the fans come on and rip us because we could beat 2-1 by Stenhouse Muir. But what people don't know is actually Stenhouse Muir women's game plays plays a much higher level within football than than the men's team do. And and sometimes they don't get because they just think, oh, Stenhouse Muir men, but actually the women's team are in tier four of Scottish football. Um, <clears throat> it's the same as well, Green at Morton. Green at Morton are tier three of Scottish football, of Scottish football on the women's side. So I think because people don't really know, um, and I think as time goes on, then yes, I think we kept it quite low key with Smices for a long time because they were obviously want to take ownership of the club and have that, and that takes time to bed in. And I think last year they spent a lot of time where that that really needed to get to get kind of a settled in at the club and then make a decision. Um, but whenever we've went and asked for anything, Smices have always supported us. Um, and then last year we made the decision that we'd get them a support academy. So they actually bought and funded for the whole girls' academy, um, <clears throat> all with t-shirts and tracksuits, um, and and that, and that's a phenomenal support that we can get. Um, but I do think there's two. One, some people don't actually know what to do for us, and two, we need to teach them what the women's game actually needs. Um, and so that's that's and that doesn't come quickly, um, because actually the part of the challenge for the women's game is that it's really had like already before even our season started, um, we were due to release uh, season started. There's already teams struggling whether or not they could actually compete in the league because uh, financial implications for some of the teams. So. Um, and we're obviously a national league as well, so I think our first home game, fortunately, is at um, is it Moss Edge on the fourteenth of August. But Grampian Ladies is who we're playing, so they're obviously having to do that travel. But if you're some of the clubs that are up north, I mean, they travel every single week. I mean, um, so the kind of finances that are involved in that is is a lot of money. But yeah, every every time I've gone and asked them, um, this is where we need the support. They've always come back and said no problem. And actually, we get quite a, I mean, to put it out to, obviously, the members, we get, I mean, it's like 70-80% agreement to support us, so, yeah. Um, yeah. I think, um, speaking to, to to Keith Lasley, he was very positive about finding more that, that they can, that, I say they as if it's as if it's separate, but it's, it's not, but finding more ways in which the club can embrace the women's team and, and support it, and I think, I think what you said earlier on is is so is, is such a an important way to look at it. It's not, you know, putting the hand out and asking for, you know, something to, just so that you to take it. It's about also convincing the club of the value that you bring and and what you do and, and how mutually beneficial it is. Something that we've spoken about quite often and, and hasn't always been universally popular within the the fan base of the the men's team is the the percentage ownership and, and the involvement of Kibble within the club and what they do but but just when you're talking about you know the, the initiative where you're getting 
kids in who maybe don't want to play football, but they want to be involved in the match day experience or in the running in the club or the administration of it. You know, we're we're partnered with a charity where all they they want to do is to give opportunities for people to to gain experience and to help build things. And, and to me, that seems like a real area that could be could be embraced. You, you've got people who are just trying to learn life skills, and we've got an organisation which could absolutely benefit from from more support and more resources in order to, to make that happen. Yeah, and, and I think we've been we've been very open to that. I mean, um, that's actually been so, some of my background as well, whereas um, I've been involved in that type of employability kind of a programmes as well, and I did do a wee bit at Linwood for a wee while there. But I think there is, there's loads of opportunities for us. The challenge for us is, is that there are so many opportunities that we actually sometimes have to you have to go slow to go fast, if that makes yeah. sense. And I think that all the time. So sometimes everybody's like, oh, let's go, go do um, all these things. But, I mean, um, Keith, and, Keith and I have, have agreed to meet um, uh, once a month um, so that we can continue to grow a lot of the stuff and look at where the opportunities are. Um, and even before uh, even Keith came along, um, I used to, Jim Goodwin was always very good with me. Um, like, if, if, I mean, I remember last year, and I think, couldn't get the team to defend at all. They just were not getting it. And I just sent this message and I went up and I had a coffee with Jim and he, he gave me, we had about an hour or something like that. And just sat and spoke about ways in which I could change training. And, and it's stuff like that that actually matters. That's worth more yeah. than the advert you get where it used to this cost, this, this cost, this, but the experience is priceless. So for me, sometimes um, having that is more is worth far much more than any money that they could give us. Um, yeah. And I think that I really look at the club and that's what I want to go along and say to them. I don't want to be as a handout. So even things like when it came to our kit and stuff like that, we've always, um, I've always made sure that the players have had new kit. And that's because historically I'd seen that, um, and we'll not mention any clubs, but when the club started to come in, we were um, getting given second-hand kit from some of the top clubs. And, and and for me, I feel that actually that's not what we're here for. It's about sometimes it's better waiting and getting it right. Like our players, our senior players in the women's team don't pay anything to play, um, <clears throat> which I know you'll probably think is quite why wouldn't that be the case? Actually, the reality is, is that the majority of women's football, apart from probably their top four tiers, the tiers that we're in, they all pay to play. They have to pay money every single week to just pay to, pay, to play. And, um, and and that's a real challenge, actually. Um, but it also changes the dynamics of how you can manage things, because when people pay for things, you I can make less demands to a certain degree because they're saying, well, I pay to be here, so I should have more say in what's happening. Whereas for the women's team and how, because I can't pay them yet, I have to look at what things can I do with them. So, for example, for the women's team, we obviously have the single venue. They get their ho the home and away kit. They get all their match kit, um, training kit. But it's even small things. Like this year, we will have our training kit a, a laundered and pressed for the players to turn up to training to put it on to go out and train and come back and I know that maybe actually things like that don't exist for the women's teams we don't have people who do things for us um, like like I have to do everything myself if I want things done like um, so and it's those small things like that we've got a sports therapist and um, we've got a chaplain um, you know these things matter because it's about looking after the player as a person as much as it is looking after what they do on the pitch. Because if I really develop the person, then you actually create a better player who's more resilient, more able to manage the demands, be able to push themselves a bit better. Um, and then as we grow, manage, because that's one of the things that women footballers and women's sports um, athletes have to manage a lot more is the social media trolling. So this year, you'll see as well, if, if some of your listeners want to maybe do that as well, is we've created public profiles for other players. So we can really start to grow a, a brand for them. Um, but then it allows us to engage in um, 
you know, like sponsorship and be able to tell a bit more, but keep their life quite private. A lot of our, a lot, few up in SPL, the women's up there, it's been a real challenge where when we're trolled, we're really trolled quite badly and quite yeah. vicious. And that's something that we need to manage as well as you get that kind of a knowledge because the reality is there are some people out there who still don't think we should be playing football and, and have and have that mentality. So, yeah. it's I think the refreshing mind. thing um, that, that, that we've seen and, and again, I don't think any of us are, are shy and kind of getting into it when we see things like that that, that shouldn't be going on. And now I would say the balance has probably shifted that, that whoever's, you know, having the dissenting voice, they're, they're in the minority. You know, it's it's yeah. it's then the majority of fans that are telling them to to button it, basically, that, that what they're saying is not acceptable and that we are one club and, and, and everything else. It's I would say it's certainly moving in that direction, but I think women certainly still get the still get the sharper end of, of that wedge. Yeah, but I think that's just the nature of, of, of life. But I think for us sometimes is actually seeing that the actual most important people aren't the players. The actual most important people are. Like, I mean, for me, when I look at St Mirren, I mean, like, I have been with a lot of different clubs and I've been around and I've been in different places and, and, I've, and I've actually been very fortunate to have travelled the world in terms of, of women's football. But, uh, like... The passion that St Mirren fans have for their club is is unique. I mean, um, I, I think sometimes they underestimate how much of an influence they actually do have, if that makes sense, and how much they can dramatically change, whether it's the women's team or the men's team or the, the kids that are, are out representing St Mirren. I mean, the you you can make or break how a how our players feel you've the opportunity to keep us going when nobody else will you can invest in us when everybody else doesn't believe in us um, and I think sometimes that is about that and that's where the fans actually get to be to be able to create that whole that whole we're in this together and I think that's what I have loved about St Mirren like genuinely that real warmth that you get from the fans and the supporters of, of the club I think um, a big motivation for, for us doing this as well is, is to try and do what little we can to, to try and bring a bit more attention to that as well and, and to get people get people through the gate as well. You, you mentioned your season openers coming up in, in a few weeks against Grampian Ladies. You said it's at Moss Edge. Are there any restrictions at all as to how many St Run fans can get down there and watch that game? No, they can come along and watch... Um... And that's one of the other developments that we want to do over there is like I'm, I'm now looking at for our club licensing actually for the women I need to have a stand so um, we need to have a stand so we're currently hoping um, so one of the challenges at, at Moss Edge is they can get and build so they're looking at new changing rooms and, um, and, and kind of developing a bit more for the actual facility itself but if I can go and, and look so part of my, my job over the next over the season will be to really go and look at getting money and sourcing money to build a 300-seater stand plus standing area. So we could maybe have up to, um, you know, could we have up to about six or 700 fans there on a week-to-week basis. And that changes that local area as well. And um, so, yeah, we'd really like a lot of support from them. Um, they come along and it's, it's not going to be like going to the, the stadium. Um <laughs> It's still a bit rough around the edges, but um, we've got a couple of things. We've got a, a new wee one that we're hoping to do is called Chuck a Duck. But you need to come and see it if you want to play it. Um, um, so today's funds, it's just the way you need, you need to just be clever. Um, but yeah, we're, we're really looking forward to getting a good bit of support. And I, and I know that we had um, we did have our first game at the, at the stadium and I think we just got under a 1,000. So... I'm hoping that this year we might have a discussion to have a couple of games at the stadium because I think we could actually generally get a really good attendance. We need, to, we need to just look at who we're playing and then how it fits in and whether it's doable. But um, if that is, that would be great because that's a real good chance for people to come and see. Um, and actually also a good chance and a good opportunity to get maybe people who wouldn't come to St Mirren normally 
um, into the stadium and, and be part of it and, and kind of a just look at going, well, actually, maybe quite like to come here every week. Because we want to sell, we want to sell season tickets. What you get, you want, you want the whole place jumping. And, and I really thought that the decision by all of the fans um, this year to not give the Celtic and Rangers the, the allocation and to keep it and to just sell more tickets. So, so I'm now a season ticket holder. Uh, myself and um, my son, so my stepson. So we're hoping to be at as many of the games as possible. And that's the luxury. The guys playing the Saturday, we play on the Sunday. So it's, it means you can go and, and can do the watching and part of it. I, I, I'll, I'll hold my hands up to have been to me ignorant of that that fact until until now that the that the teams tend to to play on on separate days. So. There's maybe an assumption there that you you can't go and see both every every weekend, but there there shouldn't be any barrier to that. You can't the the women's women we're historically um, and have always been Sunday football, and that's specifically for that reason, um, because it's always you're looking for how can you expose the sport, but try and break through the noise that's there. So um so yeah we've always played Sundays um, so it's a great day out um. To create the out for kids and stuff like that to come along. I've um I've blocked off the 14th. I'll um but barring a, a, a miracle third case of COVID in the space of a year, I'll um I'll, I'll be there on the 14th for the game against Grampian and I'm expecting nothing, nothing, no pressure, but I'm expecting seven or eight goals. If, uh, if that's all right. <laughs> I tell you, I think Richard. most of the players are like that as well. They just want to score all the points. But but the reality is, is that I'm just happy if we can if we get three points every week. <laughs> that that'll be a novelty as some one fan getting to see three points. So uh, I'll be right up for that. But right, you take that. I, I play football on a Sunday, so hopefully my kickoff things up. But yeah, generous means I can get along to a few more a few more games and I if you see, see us at one team on three points it'll probably make you feel better after probably watching the the men's team struggle on the Saturday like we always tend to do it yeah. I, I think I, I, I look at football it's really everybody's at their different their different levels and I think it's really hard um, when I mean I do think a lot of times like as a club I look at St Mirren and I look at how much like that was probably one of the things that I realised is actually haven't because I don't come from Paisley area, so like I come from uh, Lanarkshire, um, and obviously the big club over there is Motherwell. Um, but how much the clubs play a part in the community, um, and when and when I come over, and it's like they really punch well above their weight, um, considering the size of fan base we we have, the number, you know in terms of that commitment to the club, because unlike even down in England and some of the lower leagues, I mean, they're still turning up. They've got 40, 30, 40,000 people turning up. We, I think sometimes we're really down on ourselves. Um, as, a, as, as a group as in Scotland, um, and that was probably one of the things I really learned when um, just in women's football, like with, with the Scotland team, um, and just some of the things that they achieved. Um, despite not having facilities, and I think that's something that we probably experience every week. You know that that guys don't. Do you know what I mean? So we sometimes are always saying, "Well, actually, we we really look at what do we have and what we're grateful for, and then we're not always focused on what we're missing." Because actually, getting there, getting playing, getting out there, and challenging, and and, and winning stuff, and getting ourselves out there is actually the biggest achievement. That most of most of us will make considering everybody works and and I think women naturally we have a lot more um, we tend to have a lot more responsibilities so um, you're not just getting it's not like oh I fancy going to football today it, it takes a lot of management and a lot of organisation to get that space and that time to even be at training because I've got a couple of players signed this year they've got children as well um, I have I have uh, step kids. And also get my nephew as well. So it's like it's not just as simple as going, I'm going to football this week or the day, or or I have to we have to like it's like precision, honestly. It's like a <laughs> operation just to Tactical get a training planning. and matches So so and that's just the nature of the difference of it as well, I suppose. Um 
but I think, um, no, I mean, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. We've had some tough times, but I've thoroughly enjoyed all the time at St Mirren. Um, and whenever I've went into the club, everybody's been absolutely fantastic. Um, is there more areas that we can work together? Yeah, but I think we've got to be productive with that rather than just go, oh, give us this, give us that, give us that. Um, uh, because you, you need to use the resources you're given really well. Feels so, like things are, are, are certainly moving in the the right direction in, in that regard anyway. Um we've taken up a lot of your time, Kate. So I'll uh, I'll bring it I'll bring it to a close there. Um, one thing I have to mention just before I close, because <laughs> you'll never let me love it when if I don't get it at the end of this, because see as soon as this podcast you're about and so like I was saying that our captain Karen McCabe is an absolute like um like total geek from misery hunters so she was just like oh my god like so I, I think she'll she'll think more of me now that i've actually came on here than no matter what i do the rest of the season i think but um i wouldn't like to go away without um at least giving her a wee shout out and um and she'll listen to this probably a thousand times over Amongst all the other podcasts that you've got. <laughs> it, gets, it, gets the, it gets the list of numbers up, so if she wants to listen to it a thousand times, she can absolutely feel free to batter in. Tell oh, no, friends was, she, I know, she was saying that there when um, the podcast said you'd obviously stop for the summer, she was going back and listening to all the old ones. So, um, yeah, she's a real staunch supporter. Eh? Yeah. And, but not oh. staunch supporters. And to be fair, but she's a staunch supporter <laughs> of your podcast. <laughs> always, always worth giving a shout out to somebody who is happy enough to give up an hour of their week to listen to us talk absolute nonsense so, aye <laughs> Magic so, uh, we're saying in your podcast as well and, and seriously anything we can do to help get it out there we're, um, we're definitely keen to, to try and increase that connection for us as well so you were saying about forward planning everyone's got three weeks 14th August Linwood Come down, see someone cuff Grampy and ladies in the in the season opener. It's been guaranteed. Yeah, I'll go. I'll be the diplomat and go. Come along and watch us. Uh, hopefully, win three points. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see you there. That would be amazing. Thanks so much for your time, Kate. Really appreciate that. Thanks very Thank much. Thank you, Kate. All right. Bye bye. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.